Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Indiana. 
federal prison where he's serving a life sentence for pot, uh, something that for whatever reason seems to be difficult to get through people's heads, that it still happens. It's still happening today. It's going to happen tomorrow, and it's probably going to happen for the next several years at least until we finally decide that it's not okay anymore. We're going to talk about that a little bit, the idea of prohibition and legalization. I talk about this a lot, uh, but as we're coming up to an election, I've been having some interesting, um, provocative, um, inspiring, and oftentimes frustrating conversations with people, and mostly because people are so willing to roll over. They're willing to accept whatever they can get. They're willing to take a baby step. They're very seldom... Do I run into people that are willing to stay the course, to stand up for what's actually right, to stand up and make the change that we really want to see? But most people are willing to just, you know, well, it's all we can do. It's the way it is. It's, it's you know, we're, people tell me how it's going to be. Well, I'm here to tell you how it's going to be, and unfortunately, I'm speaking from experience. You know, you can, anybody can say this is not going to happen. We're going to pass a law here in California. You're going to pass a law in Iowa, wherever the law is going to be passed, the latest thing. And when that happens, we can project that, oh, this is going to happen or this is not going to happen. Well, we're going to talk a little bit on this show about those things that do happen. And, uh, Many times consequences are, well, far beyond simple uh, criminal charges and uh, incarceration, and we're going to talk about those. We also have a very special guest today, and um, is our newly elected vice president of the Human Solution. Her name is Lisa Wooldridge, and uh, she's going to be here to talk about not only her role in the Human Solution International and why it's important that she has chosen this path to fight this battle with us and to uh, uh, walk down the road of ending prohibition together to make that bit of history to happen. But also she's going to talk about opiates, and she's going to talk about um, the role that opiates play in so many people's lives, <clears throat> the role that they've played in her life, the role that they are unfortunately trying to play in her life. And we're going to talk about addiction and cannabis and some of the reasons why we fight, you know, there are, I don't know how many millions of plants in the world, uh, on planet Earth, uh, but there's a lot, from single-celled organisms all the way to the mighty sequoias um, and the kelp fields in the, in the ocean and all of the amazing plants out there. There's medicinal plants and poisonous plants and plants that eat animals and plants that uh, eat other plants, and there's plants that are colorful and fragrant and tasty and bitter and nasty and uh, plants that give you stickers and plants that hummingbirds make their nests with. Um, but they're all plants. And for some reason or another, the cannabis plant and in some level the tobacco plant are the two plants that have been singled out uh, in America for prohibition, slash regulation, slash all of these things. We're going to talk about tobacco, because it's, uh, much as I'm not particularly a proponent of tobacco, I'm a proponent of freedom. And 
tobacco is a plant like any other. And even if it does kill millions and millions of people, so does any other poisonous plant if we were to allow it um, and ingest it. You know, we have the knowledge about tobacco these days. People choose not to smoke it or chew it or whatever they're going to do with it, uh, or they choose to do that. But to not be able to grow it is something that is um, it's disturbing to my core. It's something that is disturbing uh, that somehow it's okay to say that you, insert name of human being, American citizen, and I'm only talking about America because I live here, have the right to possess, cultivate, distribute, transport, carry on your back, grow, make clothes out of, do whatever you want with all the plants in the whole genome, all of them, except these two. Somehow we've got the right, the privilege, the power, the justification to say you don't get those ones. And somehow we've accepted that. We've Somehow we've said, well, you know, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. We've allowed it to be that way. And I think to myself, as people are, are moving forward towards election time, many people have already, have already voted, and they're voting yes for their legalization method or uh, measures or their uh, med- medical measures, and they're telling themselves that they're doing all they can do you know, they're doing it. They're they're part of the process. They voted. Hey, fantastic. You know what? I am absolutely 100% in support of voting. But what if, just what if one time we voted for a law that we actually believed in? What if one time we voted for a law that we said, yes, this is the one. This is the right thing. This is the end. This isn't just some stepping stone. This isn't just some place that we'll sort of accept for now and somehow it'll change later, what if we decided to vote for what we actually wanted to happen? And when you get down and you start talking to people, some people think that taxing and regulating and bureaucrating, making things all tangled up in a a mess of laws and regulations is the answer. And I say to myself, self, Look at the far at the FDA. Look at the FDA. Look at the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Bureau. You look at some of the most regulated industries in the friggin' world. Okay, alcohol and tobacco, especially. How many people die from alcohol and tobacco every single year, every single week, every single month, every single day? They die. They die in an ultimately uber friggin' regulated, uber taxed world that's okay because it's legal it's the way it has to be now let's go to the fda the fda approves substances for human consumption food and drug administration so in order to get approved by the fda you got to have a whole bunch of money and you have to go through a whole rigmarole of testing and 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 studies and all of this stuff and and their measure for what is acceptable allows for side effects such as impotence, dry mouth, um, paralysis, your skin falls off, potential death, heart attack, every other kind of disease. These are all considered acceptable 
side effects. Just read the bottle on your prescription, folks. Read it. Go and study the FDA and, and look at the list of approved substances. The FDA allows a substance in natural products called sodium benzoate. It's a preservative. By itself, causes no problem. But drink a glass of orange juice with it, you can create benzene inside of your body, a known carcinogen. Hey, but you know what? FDA says it's okay. Uber-regulated. Okay? So think about the wisdom behind your, your logic here. Regulating isn't necessarily better. Because then we contrast. Let's come back to that old, tired statistic. How many people have died from cannabis to date, from the beginning of history until now? Oh, yes, the number is still zero. Okay? So where does wisdom and where does common sense enter into this equation? I don't see it. Uh, just a couple of days ago, I was speaking with somebody who came over um, and they're going to be representing a company of mine. And uh, we were talking about Prop 64 in California, and she was supportive of this proposition because, you know, it's a step in the right direction, and it's the only way. If we don't do it, what are the people going to think? And blah, 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 blah. And, you know, as much as uh, I'm not a political person, I don't. I think most of the political process is just a bunch of hooey, because it is. But the truth is, any measure, any initiative that's going to cause a tangle of regulations so that somebody can do something is never going to be a good one. I believe there's 30 or 60-some pages in this law. Every single time that there's more than you know a page that makes a law, you have to stop and think about it. That's number one. Number two, who wrote it? Who's endorsing it? Where's that money? Where's that money coming from? It's coming from people who have a stake in these licenses. It's coming from people who already have these licenses or have the, the money and the ability and the connections and the power to get them not coming from any of the little guys. I have yet to see any of the little guys that stand up and say, yes, this is a good idea. Any of the little growers, any of the little producers of, of uh, products and, and, and whatnot, none of them seem to be in support of this. And then I think to myself and I wonder, you know, the, the, the California population, and I, you can apply this to any bad law anywhere. I'm just using this as an example, because I happen to live in California and I have it rammed down my throat, you stop and you think about it, and the people are duped into believing that this is a legalization measure so that when we pass it, it'll just be legal. Very few people pay attention enough to read a law. Very few people are affected enough by that law that they even care enough to research it. And most people say, yeah, I'm for legalization, man. So they just, of course, just vote for it. So then what happens? The law passes, 
um, takes some period of time to enforce it and create these regulations and these boards and all this stuff. California's already working on that. Then all of a sudden, some of what people are already doing today becomes illegal. Very, very few things that don't exist today will exist and be legal. Some will. There will be big giant grows put in, and and there will be some, you know, some legal WalMarts put in, and all of these things, and and you know, some access will be available to people who currently don't have it, but not really. If you look at our medical law and how easy it is to get a wreck and how easy it is to find a dispensary or a collective somewhere nearby. Yeah, nobody has a hard time finding cannabis these days if they look. But what it's going to do is take certain things that are currently legal and make them illegal. Then what? So I had another conversation with the guy today, a good guy, um, you know, and he's a guy that's trying to get a license right now and, and for this and that. And, and we were talking about it, and he says, yeah, I, I support this man because, you know, it's a step in the right direction and it's going to get people to – accept it and you know people are 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 you know it's going to change the the public sentiment and i said well yeah it that's true it's hard to project what's going to happen but it's been my experience in speaking with people who are already opposed to cannabis because it's illegal not because it's bad not because it's something that's harmful but because it's illegal when you talk to them about it they say well but it's illegal well guess what folks still going to be federally illegal. So those of you who think that moral high ground is going to change, well, actually, frankly, your state is committing some sort of treason by standing up against the federal government. But somehow we're okay to do that. We're willing to stand up with our state but not against our feds. Okay, it is what it is. But the problem is all of these laws have a place. They say, well, you can grow five plants or six plants or ten plants or insert your number. Well, what if you have one plant over and you get busted for it? Oh, well, they won't do that. Well, they do. And here's how I know. Because they call me. You know, everybody hears and they, they listen to some of these reports and listen to the stories of how the black market's going away and nobody's getting busted anymore and everybody's getting freed and all that. Well, it's not true. I uh, have people call me up virtually every day from cases in states where it's legal or if I attend an event, oh, that's when they all find me. Hey, I got busted in Washington for DUI um, you know, some ridiculous small amount. They're going after me. i got to go to a jury trial in three weeks. Oh, in Colorado, I got busted. I had the legal amount of plants, but I had too much, and they came in and raided me and took all my stuff. I'm going to take a deal because I don't know how to fight it. That, that's what I hear. I hear it all the time. Then, of course, there's places that don't have any protection. We've got Oklahoma and Kansas and all of these horrible places, not that they're horrible by their nature, but they're horrible because they don't have any kind of protection whatsoever. And you get lots of stories out of those kind of places as well. But see, here's the problem, and there's one of the many problems. When you have a place that is okay, saying you can have two plants or five plants or six ounces or whatever your amount is, and somebody has more than that and they get busted, there's an element of the population that is going to say, well, he should have done it right. He wasn't following the law. He was breaking the law, so he should get what's coming to him. And unfortunately, that is what happens. And people say, well, 
yeah, but there's just as many people that are going to say, yeah, but this is BS because whatever, and I'm going to say not guilty. But you know what? It only matters if you get all of them. You know, we had a situation up in, uh, was it Oregon, where uh, these guys that took over that federal uh, uh, outpost up there uh, were just acquitted with with a not guilty verdict. It was clearly jury nullification. And now there's an outcry. Oh, all the white guys are just, you know, it's a good old boys club, and they're just not going to convict themselves. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But what did happen is that word jury nullification um, got out there. And it's something that if people look it up and they can understand it and they can see that it's a power that they have, it'll – it could change the world, you know. And, and I tell people all the time, uh, please do not text me while I'm doing my radio show. It's so difficult. Um, here I am derailed. I was on a good roll here. Anyways, at the end of the day, the law is part of what's going to change this. The law doesn't have to change it. There's been many cases throughout history where the population just refused to acknowledge a law. It's a bad law. We're just not going to pay attention to that. And no jury would ever convict a man of some ridiculous laws that we have. Look on the books. Look up ridiculous laws, and you'll see some things that are just like crazy. Sex laws and, and you know, lewd act laws and things that are just like, are you kidding me? This is illegal. But guess what? There are. And technically, you could get arrested and charged with it. And technically, you could get convicted of it. But the odds are... No prosecutor's ever going to pick it up because no jury would ever convict. And still a law, still on the book. But public sentiment says, no, we've outgrown that. We've moved past it. And you look at a bunch of archaic laws still on the books, and you will see that legal doesn't mean squat in many, many cases. Um, and and it's, it's important for us to realize that because ultimately, once again, we have the power. We have the power. We the people, okay? We the jurors, we the electorate, we the potential candidates, we the potential, um, you know, victims, we the potential defendants. We have that power, okay? And it's when we decide to take it that it'll be ours. Till then, it's ours to take. And I recommend look at, look into it. Empower yourself. Um, don't be afraid. Step up, get on a jury, don't walk away from that. That's not just a duty, it's a right and obligation. And if you were to exercise your right and obligation with a little bit of informed action, you could make the world a better place. And that's, I think, what this is mostly all about. Okay, let's talk now about uh, one of the consequences and how public sentiment uh, can go against us in a lot of ways. Um, you know, in California especially, there's just more and more people growing. And there's still probably the same amount of cops. And every once in a while, uh, you know, they do a, a major sweep through and they bust a lot of people or they cut their plants down or whatever. Um, but it was funny. I was talking to the same guy who was, you know, for our our local legislation. And he was saying, well, um, I have a friend of mine who had uh, – fairly substantial operation and he showed me a picture of the guy's warehouse and he had 
you know, bin stacked up to the ceiling, and he had drying racks, you know, in a giant warehouse, and there was a large amount of cannabis plants in these things. And apparently he had upset the sheriff, the local sheriff, and by doing so, um, he got raided. He got raided, and he had everything taken. And they claimed it. There was an article in the newspaper, and they said it was a $10 million worth of inventory, and they took all his lights and all his equipment and all his money and his power and his property and his vehicles and seized everything. And he says, but they didn't charge him, as though somehow that was a victory. And I thought to myself, I wonder if the government were to come in to your, you know, auto parts store and seize everything and take all your equipment, your tire changing equipment and your battery testing equipment and, and all your inventory and your vehicles and your delivery vehicles and all of your assets, but not charge you. How do you think you'd be? You'd be okay with that? Somehow, we seem to be okay with having all of our stuff taken, but we don't get charged. Um, on, the count, on the contrast to that, many times people end up being felons and somehow get some of their property back, and they call that a victory. Um, I just don't get it. I don't get how we have sold ourselves out, how we've weakened our position to the point where we're just okay at having our stuff taken, having our freedom taken, and 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 somehow being okay to be literally second class. You know, there was a point in our lives in, in American history um, where uh, slavery was okay. Not that it was actually okay, but it was legal. And today, slavery is still legal. And if you read, um, you know, the Constitution – and you read the part where slavery was abolished, it says except. It says except if somebody's incarcerated, and then slavery's just fine. Well, after slavery was abolished, or with quotes on that, um, then it was, you know, uh, black people were considered to be less than a, than a whole man, which was just ludicrous. But people were like, yeah, that's fine, yeah, whatever, that's just how it is, it's a step in the right direction. Well... That didn't last too long, and that changed as well, obviously. But the point is, somehow we keep breaking away, going, no, that's not enough. We need to be equal. We've got, we've got equality all over the place, equality. We've got civil equality. We've got women's equality. We've got uh, sexual orientation re- equality, all this equality. What about people that just want to treat themselves with a natural growing plant? Why don't we get equality? Why don't we demand that equality? Where, where is it that we've let that one go? You know, frankly, you're born with whatever you're born with. And, of course, uh, everybody should be equal. We're all born as human beings. But we all should be born with those same very rights, the same very ones that were laid out brilliantly in our Constitution, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, okay, as long as we're not taking away somebody else's rights. Why is it that we don't get those ones? Why is it that this one particular right has been taken away from us and we've allowed it? I just don't quite understand it. So I will expand upon this probably until one day I do start to understand it or it changes, hopefully the latter. All right, the next thing we want to talk about is Chris Lewandowski and uh, the upcoming battle. 
and I believe Craig Cecil is going to be calling in shortly. So he's probably going to interrupt this, but we're going to be talking about this for quite some time, a couple of months. With any luck, the conversation is going to get very interesting. And with any luck, this is going to be an historical uh, change. But about three weeks ago, um, Mike Harris, one of our board members, and myself, and Matt Pappas, and Chris Lewandowski, and a bunch of other people from uh, all around the country, actually, uh, showed up in Lawton, Oklahoma, for a hearing. And at this hearing, uh, Chris Lewandowski, who uh, there's a lot of information about his case, he's a Marine veteran that was charged with cultivation in Oklahoma, and it's a it's a it's a very uh, poignant case. He was uh, he was disabled in combat and uh, was given all sorts of drugs, from opiates to uh, you know, mood changing drugs, every kind of drug you can imagine. He was on his whole litany of drugs, turned him into a zombie, turned him into unfit to serve um, so they retired him he was a teacher that couldn't teach he was falling asleep at the desk because of these legal drugs that the government was giving him forcing on him basically he discovered cannabis di discovered that um, taking this plant can uh, make it so that he doesn't need to take all these drugs and he was able to get himself off of them and begin to function as a human being and begin to uh, have a family life and uh, you know, act as a father and a husband and uh, and a human being. He went to school and started to thrive. <clears throat> but he gets charged in Oklahoma. Um, he gets he was living in California. He gets uh, extradited. There's I'm, I'm fast forwarding. Chris was a guest on the show. Uh, I don't know about a month and a half ago, and that show is archived. And I and I recommend that you uh, find it and listen to it because it's a really good in-depth version of this story told by the man himself. <clears throat> Anyways, it came down to it. We got an attorney that was willing to represent Chris and was willing to uh, stand up and fight uh, originally for $5,000. And we said, wow, let's do this. Uh, Chris was willing to stand and fight. Uh, we have a chance at a medical necessity defense. We have a chance at doing a jury nullification campaign. But most importantly, we have an attorney that's willing to fight. He's an ex-military attorney and had, um, you know, some, some good trial skills. So we got out there, and uh, a motion was filed with a request to rescind his plea deal. It was supposed to be a sentencing hearing. So prior to this, of course, we were doing a campaign to get letters of um, uh, support for Chris. And, you know, it's kind of interesting as we sat in the hearing the judge pulled out um, a couple of postcards and then a stack of, I believe, six um, letters and then a stack of what he said was 80, which was actually, I think, closer to 95. But it doesn't matter. Those were the letters that we had gotten at an event um, about a month ago, and I know that because we mailed them. Um, and I was disheartened to see how few other people had actually written letters on his behalf. But it's hard. people. It's hard to get people to act. And to get people to write a character reference letter is um, not easy. But the judge noted this, and um, he granted the motion. And so now Chris has an opportunity to uh, take his case to trial. But what happened? 
Well, the prosecutor uh, got very upset by this, and um, you know, prior to this hearing, there was actually a murder sentencing. It was a heinous crime. It was a, um, a friend had killed his other friend, stabbed him, uh, burned his body, and buried him in a shed. And uh, there was rumor, I don't know it to be true or not, that there was actually a lover's issue. But bottom line is he, he killed this man, devastated his family, and, and several people uh, came up and read statements um, from the family, about the family, uh, talking about this crime and the victim, the victim's family. And I thought to myself, as this was happening, it was it was a heart-wrenching experience. It was it was, you know, everybody in the courtroom just about, um, you know, had tears in their eyes listening to this story. It was just horrible. And, and when you think about the impact that a true crime has out there, um, it ripples. It ripples through the universe. And, and when you hurt a person, you don't just hurt a person. You hurt everybody they know. You hurt the whole family. You hurt everything connected to them. You don't just, you know kill a father you you kill everybody he knows i mean you know you don't kill them but you know you 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 hurt them i mean imagine one of your good friends to be murdered and how difficult that would be and to know the the hardship pain and suffering that would get carried out and this guy you know really didn't show any evidence of remorse and but he had made a plea deal and the prosecutor was very cordial to him and very sympathetic almost um, and agreed to this term of, uh, I think it was a 30-year sentence, but he was going to serve 27 years. And they charged him with two or three other crimes that, that were going to be served concurrently. And he was supposed to do 85%, so 25 years or so, he's going to be out a free man. He was in his 20s. So before he's 60 years old, he's likely going to be walking around amongst everybody else, where the man he killed will not. Um, at the same time, we have um, pot prisoners and, frankly, other drug prisoners, victimless crimes, people, people that don't have a victim or a victim's family, people whose action did not cause pain and suffering throughout anybody's family. We have those people serving long terms. You know, Craig Cecil, who will likely be calling soon, talks about this all the time. He says, if you could just treat me like a rapist or a murderer, I would have a chance to get out of here. And I watched it happen. And then when Chris came up and uh, wanted to rescind his plea deal, this prosecutor became livid. And uh, he accused him of faking his injuries. Um, he got on his case about a shirt he was wearing. He was wearing a Cheech and Chong shirt at the time that he was taken into custody, I believe. I'm not sure exactly when he was wearing this shirt. But this prosecutor's talking about a Cheech and Chong shirt. Like, somehow you can't wear one of those and still be a reasonable person. Um, and then when Chris decided, you know, he was going to stand up, and the judge himself was actually a very fair judge, and the judge was not, a, was not, a, was not an easy judge. He was, he's going to be difficult, but um, the judge said, you know, the law basically does say um, that taking a case to trial will likely benefit the defendant more than taking a plea deal. And he agreed with that. So due process does allow you a trial by jury of your peers. And he was sort of duped into taking this plea deal, and he didn't understand all the ramifications or the, the possible uh, exposure to losing his military pension and, and all the 
you know, the benefits that he has today as being a decorated, um, in you know, combat veteran injured in combat, he'd lose most of that if convicted a felon. He wasn't fully aware of all that when it was all happening. So the judge allowed this to happen. Well, the prosecutor gets up and, you know, boldly exclaims that uh, he's going to add on more charges, and he did. And so we're going to talk more about that once we get Chris back on the air and we can talk about that. So but the thing that happened out there, which was very heartening, um, you know, these, these, these court cases are brutal, and I've been to a lot of them. And, you know, it's a difficult journey. It's difficult to get away from my, my business, my work. It's get, difficult to get leave my family behind. It's difficult to travel. It's difficult to be away. It's difficult to sit in a courtroom after going through what I've been through, um, or even not. It's just it's a difficult place to be. But one of the good things that does happen is people do come together. And in this case, I was very impressed and pleased with the people that came together. We had um, people from Colorado. We had people from Kansas. We had people from Oklahoma. We had locals standing up there with him and for him and people that I didn't know. Um, And, of course, we had some people from California, and we had people from a few other places. And we agreed to stand together. We agreed to work together. We agreed to um, step up with the united front. And I thought, and I'm hoping still that that this all happens, um, but, you know, our movement is is very difficult. It's fractured. uh, um, Everybody's got their own way of looking at things, and a lot of people have this it's my way or the highway way of looking at things. And then, of course, it's election time, so everybody's busy with that. And uh, uh, any way you look at it, it's, it's, you know, people talk about uh, trying to get people to cooperate in this movement. It's like herding cats, and I say it's like herding cats and spiders. And as much as there's been a commitment for this to happen, um, we haven't got it all together. But today we did make a breakthrough, and the breakthrough was this. I had a conversation with Sean with the Weed for Warriors Project, and uh, he committed that his organization is going to stand with our organization, and if nothing else happens, it'll be his organization and ours standing together uh, to raise funds and support for Chris Lewandowski. Um, we're working on a press release. I'm really trying to get all the other people involved. There are other people that are actively working and raising money and all of this thing, but we still don't have a coordinated effort. It's almost three weeks later. I'm very frustrated about it. Some people um, in this fray are doubting and difficult and don't want to do anything to upset anybody. And, you know, it's war, folks. It's a difficult, dirty proposition, and it's not going to happen easy. And it's going to take a lot of people to stand up and say, this isn't okay. This isn't okay for any veteran, uh, combat wounded or not, to face criminal charges over growing a couple of plants that provided him tremendous medical relief and uh, hurt nobody. And so this is something that affects veterans all over the nation. 
and we've had conversation about this. We'll have more conversation about this as we get more and more involved into veterans' activities. But the bottom line is um, these very people who volunteered to uh, put themselves in harm's way, regardless of what you think about the military or war or anything like that, that's not what this conversation is about. This conversation is about the people who have voluntarily put themselves in harm's way um, and sacrifice their freedoms and their health and their safety. Um, and this is how they've gotten treated. And frankly, it, it's not fair to happen to anybody, but especially uh, somebody who is, is, has come back, um, you know, from a combat situation, uh, been damaged physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, every which way there is to be damaged, been damaged further by the government given drugs that just caused so much damage and then after finding a natural um, treatment that had no bad side effects only good side effects he's charged criminally with it in a way that could devastate the rest of his life put him in prison and could cost him everything could cost him his marriage could cost him his family could cost him you know his ability to make a living everything's at stake here and to see Anything less than the whole community running to his aid, frankly, turns my stomach, bothers me tremendously. And that's one of the reasons I didn't do a show the last couple of weeks because we just weren't, I didn't have anything solid to stand on yet. So now we've got Weed for Warriors and the Human Solution working together, locked arms, and we're about to get launched. The first thing we're going to be doing is what we're calling the 420 Division. And um, we believe that, you know, there's going to be some efforts made to get some major sponsors to put down some major money. You know, if you, get a, if you have a company that's in any way benefiting from cannabis and you're making, you know, more than you need, then there's no reason that you shouldn't kick down something substantial for this man who doesn't have that luxury and is potentially uh, going to lose everything, uh, well, you're going to benefit from this very same thing. So, you know, I'm not big on guilt. I'm not big on accusations or any of that stuff. But things are what they are, and I am a big on the truth. I'm big on what really is and what, frankly, should be. And what should be is the whole community should step up and the whole community should make this easy to happen. Um, so now we're in a situation where, this attorney um, now is going to charge $20,000. Imagine that, an attorney changing his mind from 5000 to 20000 I'm not quite sure how that happened. But people think that, you know, we said we're going to try to raise 30000 And people are like, well, what are you going to do with the rest of the money? Well, guess what, folks? Um, there's things called expert witnesses. They cost a lot of money sometimes. Uh, we're hoping to do a jury nullification campaign where we can – get printed materials and people out there in uh, Comanche County, Oklahoma, to reach out to the voting population out there, to the, to the registered voters who happen to be the jurors. And we have the ability to get a list of registered voters, and we could actually put a mailer out to each and every one of them, letting them know about their freedoms and their rights. You know, when you get into the, the breadbasket, the, the heartland of America, individual liberties tend to be important. People tend to value their freedoms. And when you let somebody know about their freedom and their right and their liberty, 
to judge a law. You know, these are laws that were made by men, and sometimes they're flawed. And sometimes we've allowed them to exist, but we don't have to enforce them. And we don't have to accept them. And we don't have to give them power. And we can, in fact, take that power away. Every single juror, every single citizen who has the ability to get on a jury has that power. So we want to let them know that they have that power. Um, So if we could raise enough money to do that, that would make a difference as well. Uh, We also have another attorney that I just became aware of while while I was sitting here on the show. Um, His name is Michael Minardi, and um, he has successfully um, argued and won a case based on what they call a medical necessity defense. And what that is, it's something that is a federal premise that says if you have a condition that is treated with an illegal substance, doesn't matter what it is, it's not just about pot, could be about anything that is considered to be an illegal substance, but that is the only treatment that works, then that can supersede the law, and that can give you that medical necessity defense. But unfortunately, um, you know, we have some people who are supposed to be um, part of this team um, they believe that the medical necessity defense is a given, that anybody has it. And the problem is that's not how court works. People who haven't spent a lot of time in court don't know how court works. They know how it's supposed to work. They know what the law says. They know what your rights are. They know all that stuff. But they don't realize that in court that doesn't necessarily matter. So when you go into a trial, the judge is called the court. When you address the court, you're talking to a person. The person is the judge sitting on the bench in that courtroom. He is the court. Okay? And when you approach the bench and you address the court, there are things that you can ask for. There's, you can ask for things to be allowed into a trial. You can ask for things to be excluded from a trial. You can uh, ask for certain uh, defenses, which are jury instructions. Jury instruction is the law that applies to the case. And the judge will tell you uh, in the beginning of every case, they will say, you, the jury, have sworn an oath to review or to observe and, and judge the evidence that's been presented to you and apply the law as I give it. Okay? That's the jury instructions. The judge will decide what law applies. And in many cases, probably all cases, there's a number of different laws that could apply to any given case, especially when you're dealing with uh, health and safety code violations, which is what these typically are. When you're dealing with drug cases, uh, there's all sorts of laws that could apply, but they only do apply if the judge allows them. So in my trial, initially, I was afforded, or I should be afforded by the California state law, a a medical defense because I was a qualified patient uh, and I was claiming to be operating within the protections of a qualified patient as a collective. Well, the prosecutor filed a motion to remove that from me. 
to deny that. And everybody says, oh, well, they can't do that. They just, you know, of course, it's in California, Prop 215. We've got all the protections there is. Well, guess what? That judge denied that motion or uh, granted it, denied my defense. So I walked out of court a weekend or uh, two weeks before my trial was supposed to start, and my defense had been removed. Well, fortunately, we had an attorney that went above and beyond the call in this case and filed a writ with the appellate court. And I'm very confident that there was some sort of uh, um, divine intervention or some sort um, because the writ was heard. The appellate court picked it up. And you look up case history of writs that have been picked up by appellate courts while a case was still in trial. You'll find a very short list. This seldom happens, if ever. They put a stay on my trial uh, the day before we were going to select a jury, the day before Thanksgiving. They came in and says, nope, stop this. We're going to hear this, uh, this complaint. Ultimately, later on, they ruled in my favor. They gave me that defense. But the odds of that happening were virtually nil. And if Chris goes into trial and his um, – he has to do the opposite. He doesn't have any defense right now. But his attorney needs to file a motion for a medical necessity defense. They're doing the same thing with Shauna Banda. They have to hear, the judge has to hear this motion and grant this medical necessity defense to be argued. And then it gets argued in court. It's not a given. And some of the people that I was talking to that were, you know, supposedly supporting all this just didn't understand that. And the idea of, excuse me, a jury nullification campaign um, was very difficult because it it's a very bold stance. It's a very difficult um, proposal to go and say, I'm going to go ask the community to basically go against what the judge says if they determine that law to be bad. And it's not, you know, any kind of a guarantee that you're going to be able to get that to happen. It's probably the most difficult thing that you could ever try to, to accomplish. But we've seen it work. We've had it work. And we have people today that are not in prison because they were willing to take that chance. And people were willing and able to stand around them and raise them up and bring that awareness to that jury pool in such a way that they saw that the law that applied to this case was bad. It was wrong. And that what was at stake was way beyond what was reasonable. And they acquitted him. And it's happened many times. Not enough, but many times. Enough times it says, if you don't have anything else, this is worth a shot. You know, if Chris took this deal, he was facing five years or more in prison. It was likely going to do some time. There was a chance he wouldn't. But even if he didn't, he was going to be branded a felon and ultimately would have lost his educational benefits. He's in college right now. He would have lost the funding to stay in college, and he would have lost a good chunk, likely, of his um, medical pension. So that was at stake. That's what we're dealing with. So that's what we're dealing with here. Okay. Um, Craig didn't call in. I feel bad. Probably something is wrong. Um, I will reach out to him and find out what's going on in Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, we've got a few callers to call in, and then we're going to bring up Lisa. Um, 
I've been kind of on a tirade today, so I haven't gotten into this, but I want to give very special thanks to the Coffee Party Radio Network for allowing this show to exist on their uh, blog talk site. And um, you've given us a place to have a voice. You've given us a network, and uh, we're standing together as uh, affiliate partners in our quest for freedom. And I'm very proud of that. And if you want to call into this show and you have a question for me or any of the guests or you want to talk about the subject that we're talking about, all you have to do is call in at 646-929-2495. Now, if you're already on the phone listening and you decide that you have a question and you want to get in and talk about something, hang up. Call back again. We have a very wonderful special screener, and we call her Noncompliant Mary. And for reasons that, if you knew her, would be very, very plain and simple. Um, so, anyways, we've got a few callers on the line, and we were going to uh, bring this up. We've got, uh, let's see, where did he go? We had Mike Harris here, but now he's not. Oh, here he is. Mike Harris um, is one of our Human Solution Board members. He has been a screener on uh, this show for a long time. And um, he's one of the people that are responsible for getting our media message out in a very effective way. He's been able to reach places that I never realized we could. Um, he's gotten attention to some of the stories. And as we're bringing our message together, uh, I believe it's paramount that we have one unified message. And uh, we're trying to consolidate that so we can really blast it out there. We're coming up into some... Tough times to raise money and support. We're coming into uh, the holiday times, and people are busy. And you know what? I've been locked up at Thanksgiving before, and I know what it's like when people are busy. And uh, the courts don't care. I was convicted um, four days before Christmas, and I've been raided and locked up uh, at Christmas time more than once. Um, the courts don't care. Jails don't care, prisons don't care, and as much as it's important that we care and have our family time and what's important, remember the bigger picture. You're part of something bigger than all of it, and that there are things that are important enough for our attention, and that's what we have to do is get this message bright and loud enough. So anyways, Mike was here with me um, in Oklahoma, and... Um, I think he's got a bit of perspective to share with us. So here we are, Mike Harris. Welcome to the show, Mike. How are you doing today? Good to have you aboard. Uh, well, thanks, Joe. Um, thanks for having me on Cup of Joe, and uh, shout out to the coffee party also. Well, I've got a few <laughs> updates about uh, Chris. Um, that, that's, uh, of course, everything's a dynamic. And uh, right before you went live, I got a message from Matt Pappas that uh, he said that. Uh, and he posted, I guess, personal contact information for uh, Michael Minardi, the lawyer in Florida. But I believe he has actually two cases that he's won on medical necessity defense. Um, but Minardi has committed to Chris Lewandowski's case. He wants Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, well, that's uh, unconfirmed. That's the that's good news. Now we've got to raise more money. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, um, it'd be well spent uh, with um, Counselor Minardi for sure. Uh, also, that they're trying to somehow convince, and I don't know how they would be about doing it, but um, getting um, uh, Dr. Sue Sisley, who is doing studies currently 
on uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome in veterans. So her her unique um, testimony would be great in, in a medical defense. Um, in regards to Chris's um, exposure, the coffee party CEO, Bobby Rodrigo, contacted uh, Thomas Hurley, the uh, lawyer that's representing Chris Lewandowski currently. And Bobby is a um, journalist activist who also writes for um, uh, different publications. And he's going to search into a story, and then if the, he doesn't get it printed, he's going to make sure that the, somebody, one of his contacts does. The uh, story that was written by um, Orange County Weekly, Nick Show, who's a very uh, accredited journalist in his own right, and and um, he wrote uh, two pieces in the Orange County Weekly, the largest story of the year, uh, which got uh, 36,000, I guess, to reach on that particular one story. Uh, it was right. the largest story for OC Weekly. And um, Nick Show's story was picked up by the United States Marine Life. It's the official publication for the uh, Marine News. And they ran his story front page. So his story is, is slowly creeping, and, it, and it's getting out there. It um, was almost mainstream at one time about a, a year ago, but then there was the misinformation, and it's really killed a lot of it, was that uh, all charges had been dropped. And, you know, that was never the case, but that was actually just, I don't know if that was intentional, but it was uh, printed as uh, such. So anyways, that's being corrected. Well, you know, it's uh, it's important for people to realize that uh, you know Nick um, covered my trial and uh, wrote three articles um, before, during, and after the trial, and those articles were actually used in our motion for a new trial um, as you know evidence of the miscarriage of justice, and it made a difference. Um, they were cited. Um, in our motion, and um, we're ultimately part of the the whole effort that I'm today currently free rather than behind bars as a result of. So, uh, you know, Nick wrote a book that included part of my story in it, um, and, you know, the thing of it is, every one of these reporters, when we can get a legitimate journalist, and it's not that, you know, a lot of the little Internet and uh, news outlets are not legitimate. It's just that their reach is what makes it legitimate. And, um, you know, when you have tens or hundreds of thousands of listeners and viewers, it just, it, it makes you legitimate by its own nature. And, um, you know, to have Nick pick up this story is actually, it's, it's, it's maybe bigger than people realize. And so, um, with news, it's interesting how when something hits, you know, if you can get one of these stories to get picked up by AP or Reuters, um, it'll go across across all over the country instantly. And we've had a few articles that we've had published over the years that got picked up even a little bit. And for a flash, they just spread all across, you know, the nation. And so, you know, hopefully we're going to be able to bring up the story isn't just about what happened to Chris, but the story is that Chris is standing up in spite of a deal that might not have put him in prison, not just for himself, but for the principle 
and for everybody else that's like him that's not strong enough to stand up. And he said this publicly, and he said this often, and he's going to continue saying this, that this is bigger, this is a bigger problem, and that somebody needs to stand up for it. And, and so Chris is literally the tip of the spear in this case, but we are the spear. We are the whole rest of it, and we're going to be the difference whether the tip of that spear drives home and makes a change or not. And these attorneys are part of that. Um, but our ability to allow those attorneys to come in and, and, and provide the counsel that they can uh, without there being this giant bill attached to it and, and, and a huge encumberment or them possibly not being able to do it, um, that's on us. And so, again, I encourage everybody um, you know, to participate in this, even if you don't have money to give. Um, you know, you can share a story. You can pass this on. You can go think of somebody who might be able to cover it a little better. There's something that we all can do in this case and so many others. And, you know, the thing that we learn when this is happening is this is one of so many cases. And, unfortunately, you know, if, if we can hone our skills and learn to just rise up, unite, get this media out there, touch all the people's hearts, raise what needs to be raised, get what needs to be done done, all of a sudden we'll start to be an effective machine, even though it's a bunch of moving parts. So, Mike, I, I absolutely appreciate uh, your diligence in getting the information to us and um, keeping it accurate and current. And uh, I am looking forward to uh, watching your wizardry as we craft our stories and get them out there. All right. So we'll, I'll do everything I can short of uh, having dancing brooms and uh, rising uh, water <laughs> We'll see what happens on that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. Hi. Okay. Um, we have Lisa Sublet on the line. Uh, Lisa Sublet is um, an amazing activist. She's been a friend of the show on many, many occasions, and we've had uh, conversations. I talked to Lisa, I think it was midnight while I was in Oklahoma, um, you know, about this case and other cases that we're supporting. And, um, you know, we're trying to be effective. We're trying to um, take the energy. There's so few people that are really out there making all the big differences. Uh, but it doesn't, take, it doesn't take a lot of people to make the big differences. It takes a few people to be effective in rallying a lot of people to do a little bit. So... Um, Lisa is uh, an amazing individual, and uh, here she is. Lisa <laughs> Sublet with Leading Kansas. Welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. I love you. But I must tell you, Dr. Sildep, I can only be disappointing. <laughs> well, just... you know. <laughs> I'm, like, we, That's we, quite... we... I'm not Lucille Ball or something grand, you know. It's just me sitting here in Kansas on my laptop. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. Um, it, 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 the, the, the few people that are actually accomplishing things are, are you know, one person over here and they're la sitting on their laptop and one person over there sitting on their laptop and one person over there whose laptop broke and they're trying to do it on their phone and one person sitting on a desktop over there. And, you know, if people think that there's these giant armies that are that are just, you know, sitting in some bat cave with all this fancy <laughs> technology and, and, and millions of people, and uh, it's just so not like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so not. God, I wish we could have a bat cave. Wouldn't that be nice? Just one. I would share. I promise. A UCCA bat cave. I love it. I you love know, it. Some I love it. Well, something to aspire to. That would be fantastic. So what's <laughs> going like on out there in Kansas right thing. now? Uh, well, uh, for us, well, it was funny. I, I, you caught my ear. I sent you a message on Facebook because I was just like, okay, Joe, how can I help? Because I, right. I thought, oh, I've missed something. We're not being helpful. But I've been busy writing uh, a grant with the board members for the last, well, we were writing two grants, actually, at the same time for, like, the last three weeks, right. and I wanted to stab myself in an eyeball with a sport because my brain and math do not – there's a reason why my degree in anthropology is not complete, and it's because I owe all my math classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not a big math I'm, person myself. I find myself needing it. And going back, just the other day I, I, I had to formulate something, and I was like, holy crap, I just used algebra. I don't know how I remembered how to do it, but I, I couldn't believe it. I was uh, like, oh, God, I hate last this time I tried to do algebra, Joe, I swear to you, I was going, okay, so I was working three jobs with four kids going to college full-time on scholarships and, and grants and whatever, and I was still going to math lab at night. I would leave one of my jobs, go back to the college and go to math lab, and I had, you know, I had the cards, and I was drilling, really thought I had this down. This is pre-algebra, mind you, if you want to know how bad my right. brain is. My teacher handed me back the test. Man, I was sure I had nailed it. I have been working so hard. I missed every question. She said, I don't know what new math you have come up with, but at least you're consistent. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, every so time I, I see the kids or grandkids and their math problems, I'm like, oh, geez, you know, you you look back and you... Remember what, right. why you can't stand it. <laughs> no, no. You want to dig up dead things, I'm down. I can do it all day long, or we can pick up, you know, do shards <laughs> or copper lights or whatever else, talk about Australopithecines, I'm good to go. But nice. math and my, my brain just don't go together. So we were working on grants, so we've been pretty intense on that the last, like, three weeks. And it's so funny you talked about using the phone. My board member, Dawn, who knows how to write grants, she was a, an RN and uh, in administration, she <laughs> can't use her laptop right now. So she was literally voice texting through her phone, <laughs> and I was right, copying right. and pasting and trying to clean up the voice text screw-up. So, yes, you make do with what you have. But uh, exactly. I heard you mention minority, and I wanted to tell you that even today I was trying to work with uh, – an association here in Kansas to try to bring minority in for continuing education credits in the law world, I guess, are called CLEs, not CEUs right. or whatever, like in medical. And CUEs, I mean, CLEs, yeah, either way. Yeah, all that stuff. So I'm learning, you know, learning a whole new language, sure. talking to lawyers. Uh, he is so <laughs> phenomenal. I have to tell you, what's so wonderful about him, about Michael, he's not only just a rock star in a movement, hot off these two new wins on medical necessity in Florida, which is not a tough, uh, you know, not an easy state to win in. It's county by county down there, just like it is most places. And, right. Uh, but, you know, this guy knows his stuff, and he, he is so compassionate and so fired up and so passionate about this stuff. And the gift it would mean to bring someone like Michael Minardi to Kansas or to Oklahoma to teach lawyers how to mount this defense. And to have him waved in to work with other lawyers on patient cases is, it's tantamount to just 
for these patients who feel so hopeless in these horrible states like Kansas and Oklahoma, which are just horrible, I think only places like Alabama and Mississippi might have us beat. But uh, and maybe some Don't places. Don't forget the Dakotas. In, yes, exactly. In Montana, going backwards <laughs> on us. But you know, to patients who have no hope, that's like Moses coming down off the mountain. You know, I'm sure Michael wouldn't want to be compared to that way. But to these patients that have no hope, it really is. And the point you make, and I don't know if anybody in the industry is listening or not, but we've had this talk, Joe, you and I personally, about our frustration and our heartache, that when we have to watch, oh, 60 Minutes Report, or I think (laughs) tomorrow Jesse Venture is going to be on the doctors talking about legalization or whatever, every time we have to watch Montel Williams, open up a new thing or or even people we dearly love like willie we're like so glad yay that's awesome but don't forget those of us who are left behind we're still burying people and whether we're burying them in the dirt or burying them behind bars it's devastating to families we still have people who are suffering and dying and i just look at the industry and it's painful i don't want to say this because so many of the people that are heading our industry started as activists but not all of them. It's actually very, very few. But they could make Most, all the difference in the world in a blink of an could. eye right now. And I'm like, do you want to act like Big Pharma? Because you're already acting like Big Pharma. If all you see are the dollar signs and you don't see the patients, if you don't see the lives wrecked, how are you any better than Big Pharma, dude? Seriously. And these patients have already been screwed over by Big Pharma. So have fake cannabis turn into big pharma. I'm all for you making all kinds of fat money. I have a role in it because that's how it should be. It should be a legal business and people, sh- it's America. Entrepreneurship, I'm for it 100%. Build up to something huge. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. I, I, you know, it's not my deal, but I'm happy for you. You know, I just want some chickens and live off the grid. So I'm a very simple person, but I'm happy for you if that's what you want. But if you have the power, to bring hope like minority into places like Kansas and Oklahoma. What do we have to say to you? What do we have to say to the industry? We can't get the cannabis press to pay attention to us. Try to get a patient article in the high times. Try to get it on in the cannabis. The cannabis press won't pay attention to cannabis patients. If the cannabis industry won't pay attention to cannabis patients, other than it's how they can make money off of it. What the hell? And that's really all I had to say, Joe, because bringing minority in would mean so Well, you know, it's, it's you bring up such poignant topics that, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because as activists, as, as victims, as defendants, as families, as advocates, we care so much. And when we see something that could be done that's not being done, um, you you you, you want to reach out, but then we live in this snowflake world where everybody gets their feelings hurt if you're not all happy and supportive. And the second you say something like this, people will turn their back on you in a second, and say, "Well, you're just being negative." And you know, frankly, uh, when I was dealing with my trial, I called people out. I I I had to, and not because I thought I was really going to make a difference by doing it, but I just had to say the truth. I just had to say what could have happened. 
And, you know, we don't have to call people out by name. We can just be very broad and general about this and give people an opportunity to stand up or not. And, you know, like you said, we are in a situation right now where uh, Tom, the attorney, is a good attorney. Um, he doesn't know squat about this medical necessity defense, but he stood on his own in court, held his head high, and commanded the respect of the court and got his motion granted um, when another attorney might not have. But he's not the guy to get a medical necessity defense in. But he is now charging us $20,000. I don't know what Minardi's going to charge, but that's going to be more than that. But frankly, to a dozen industry people that are bringing in, you know, tens of thousand dollars a day, it would be nothing. Imagine what, what a name somebody that was thriving in the industry could make for themselves by championing this cause, or so many of these causes, any of them, it doesn't matter. It could make all the difference in the world. I just right. wonder sometimes and, why they don't. Yes, and I, I certainly, you know me, I think I try to always be extremely positive, and I don't want anybody to think I'm being negative. What I'd like them to hear is the hurt and the frustration of my patients who are suffering without any hope. And But we they have to watch all these shows. They watch Weedekit. They watch all of the shows. Believe me, they do. And it is so hard. It's hard enough when we lose refugees to legal states and we hear that their children are doing so much better. Why we celebrate with them. Little Autumn here in Kansas just the other day had a two-hour-long seizure, Joe, and I'll try to talk about this without crying. Uh. It took eight rounds, eight rounds of five different devastating, horrible medications to stop this two-hour seizure. She had been doing so good that Chris had a, had appointment with appointment appointment uh, for weeks, getting her ready to go to school. After the seizure, her speech pathologist came over. She was in tears because Autumn had lost the ability to speak, and her balance is so bad that all she was doing was crying inconsolably and falling over. And I cannot imagine oh, okay. what it would be like to lose your speech, how terrified you would be to not be able to understand what was happening, plus the withdrawals off all the meds, which are always horrible. Every seizure she has, if, if rescues are involved, these children all go through terrible withdrawals. When parents who are trapped here, and truly they're trapped, through custody issues or shared custody or elderly parents who need care as well, not everyone can move. It's, that's just a fact. And it's bad enough to deal with the comments on the children's Facebook pages. Well, if you were a good parent, you would just leave everything and go. Well, okay. Um, Sophie's choice much? You know, which child do you choose to surrender? Um, it's horrible, the position that these parents are in. And I watch their suffering, and they suffer so acutely. So I don't mean to sound negative, but when I watch those things happen, and I know what the hope would mean for them for Minardi to come to Kansas. It would be like Moses off the mountain. I am telling you the truth. And so I well, don't you know, and, and it's, and it's I'm bigger dead. than that. If it's, I had to get on my knees, it, Joe, if I had to get <laughs> on my knees, if I had to crawl across broken glass, I would. if I had to walk with hot poles, whatever they want, I will do it for these children because we've buried too many. And... Um, well, I know, you know how much I love what Autumn. you're saying and is was... true, and, and, and it is. It is absolutely. And, 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 you know, when I talk about the few, 
it's it's actually the opposite of what people might think. I consider the few that stand up and care to be giants. Um, you know, the few that care, that feel this, that see it, that that realize the importance of it, that don't brush it under the rug, that 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 are willing to to sacrifice and suffer so that others might not have to, so that others might find hope. Uh, you get that, and you know it's it's as I've been talking about, you know, standing as an alliance, standing together, finding ways that we can stand together and be taller, be bigger, be be more seen, be more heard, be more credible, be more uh, capable. Um, you know, uh, that's that's where I'm at now, and and I and I think that that's our that's our hope right now. And so you got somebody like Michael, this one guy. <laughs> Again, we talk about the few. He's this one guy who stood tall, and he's taken on a court system in a place where yet, yet there was this one little bit of hope that somebody that theoretically could be done, and he's now done it twice successfully that we know of and is offering to do it here. Well, imagine what, what that would bring to Oklahoma and to yeah. other places like you're talking about. If he was to come in and successfully argue this case, um, it would open the door for many, many other attorneys to to learn from this experience. And when you have a case, as so many cases are, there's no there's no defense. Sorry, you got to take a deal. Well, maybe there is. Maybe there is something we can do. And and it's that's the kind of thing. It's not the law necessarily that's going to be the solution because whatever law there is, is there's going to be chinks in it. There's going to still be people going to jail. It's these sorts of silver bullets. It's these things that if we walk in to a case and say, well, we've got this attorney and this expert and this team, and if you think you're going to stand up against us, go ahead. You watch. The prosecutors <laughs> will start standing down because that's what happens. You know, they're made yeah. of error. And all you need to do is come up with a sharp tip of a spear or a pin that has a little bit of, of validity to it, and boom, um, you pop their suckers just like nothing. So yeah, they uh, folded on Pamela pretty quick, you know, when yep. people got involved and were calling the attorney and letting them know, you know, listen, people are watching and following this case, and we care about this case. And uh, let them know, listen, I've been on the phone with Colorado for two weeks, including the governor of Colorado's office. I'm talking to the Department of Corrections in Colorado. I'm doing everything I can so they don't extradite her back to you. Uh, But if they do and she has to go to court there, you know, people are going to be there and we're going to be watching. And so hopefully that played some role. You know, we hope, but a lot of this stuff happens behind closed doors with no light shining, and you're right. It changes a whole lot just when a light is shining, just when people show up. I'm so proud of what you guys did in Oklahoma for Chris, and I hope going forward, um, you know, the little coalition that is going forward uh, will, you know, I think it's just, uh, I just think what you guys did in Oklahoma is fantastic, and um you know, whatever we well, can help. Well, it definitely help. has the potential to be something historical. I, I, you know, we got the commitment today from Sean and Weed for Warriors um, to stand together in this effort. The others, um, we're just having a hard time getting everybody to come to the table to agree uh, on on what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. But uh, the two of us, these two groups, at least have stood up. We, we're going to create this 420 division. 
and we're going to be doing a concerted effort, a grassroots effort to get $4.20 donations and join this division um, of, of warriors. And so um, we're, we're putting together um, a campaign and a press release about that, but I'm, I'm trying to get the others <laughs> to stand together and be part of it. But, you know, it's the, the cats are not easily herded. They are not. Well, I would be glad to at any time if you need to include me on a conference call or anything else. I'd like I would be glad to share the conversations that I've had with Minardi up to this point. I think he'd be greatly encouraged by that. Um, he's extremely passionate and extremely compassionate and empathetic. He's uh, just you know, and you don't find that a lot. <laughs> at least the rumor well, goes I... you don't find that a lot in lawyers. But I I actually have found some really good compassionate you know lawyers uh it's a grind for them too they wouldn't stay in the defense business if um you know they didn't care about things so he's one of the good ones and so maybe we can talk about that at another time and i wanted to tell you i think we should uh, yes yeah absolutely be glad to to speak about that or um uh because actually he's emailing me some information tonight so um I but just really proud of what you guys did in Oklahoma and uh just you know whatever I can do to be helpful going forward. Well, that's, we're we're going to be uh, uniting this message and and part of what we're trying to do is have a single uh uh coordinated plan that your question will be easily answered when it comes to what can I do. And so that's <laughs> that's what we're grinding out right now is making it easy for anybody who might say that to say, oh, this is what I can do. So I, uh, as always, appreciate your, uh, your, all that you're doing on this front and all the others, and um, I look forward to working with you closer. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're always stronger together. We're always stronger together. Uh, the few can exactly. be mighty. Exactly. The few can be exactly. mighty. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you I'm, so much, Lisa. And, yeah, sure. Um, I look forward to speaking with you soon, and hopefully we'll have some exciting new uh, revelations to reveal. Yes. All right. Well, blessings, Joe, and blessings to everybody listening. Keep fighting. All right. Take care. Okay. Well, somehow we lost our main guest, um, Lisa, and I'm a little disheartened about that. But uh, we have Tom Corby, who is a mighty warrior up in NorCal, and he's got an update what's been going on up there in uh, Oroville, Sacramento, and Shasta area. Welcome to the show, Tom Corby. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Joe. I just came in, and Bobby Rodrigo, a conference party radio show for another historical show. Uh, Mary Donnelly for screening. Uh, Shout out to Mike Harris and Lisa Woolridge. Great talks to Martell. Uh, I just remembered to breathe to catch up <laughs> on all this all that's going on up here, and I got uh, a couple cases that are very interesting to share. Um, uh, also, uh, Chris Lewandowski. Uh, thank him for standing his ground, being a vet, Air uh, Force. Uh, when they take our right away to have our medicine, they also take our right as vets. Uh, and we always bring up Doc uh, Joe talking about uh, during nullification and 
point being here. If there is no victim, how can there be a crime? Uh, so veto bad laws uh, on on jury nullification. And uh, most people don't have a clue, Joe, when you go out and talk to people. So uh, it's also important folks out there uh, about the rights of jurors. Uh, we always talk shows how important it is to take them on to trial. Uh, again, in Butte County, we have um, seven or eight uh, taking them on to trial. Not to the benefits trip perform up in Chester, Shelby, and Sacramento. Uh, four defendants right here that I know of, or five uh, in Butte County, where we're setting precedents. We, we're advocating with it not only the defendants, and they're so appreciative, and also with their PDs and the attorneys. That's a huge word. Joe taught me that she liked the word advocate rather than activist. Uh, <laughs> at least at Lisa Gordon got me on that one, so I think she's listening today, and hats off to Lisa, too. Uh, Matt Sears and uh, Fawn Block, uh, uh, they, <laughs> my God, i got to take a breath here, uh, to what they're going through. Uh, <clears throat> they, uh, they were they were arrested uh, here. I, mean, I got the I got the actually the whole post right here that I could read uh, on the morning uh, of September 29, 2015. Matt Sheard, Vaughn Block. Uh, by the way, if you remember, Joe, uh, they talked on uh, Medicinal Mike's radio show, and uh, I'm trying to get them. They actually moved up to Oregon, out of Big County, and. Uh, uh, Hopefully later on today I send them a message and uh, I would love them to talk. Uh, they're really nice people. I was so glad they come for them, and they also come for others. Uh, they were illegally raided, like many, uh, by Net 5, Drug Force, uh, Best Benef, and by the way, remember that uh, Net 5 has Heath, Officer Heath, got 10 years, right? Four wives selling our medicine in Pennsylvania. Also, I heard he's up for federal charges, Joe. So, uh, right. There are bad officers out there, and there's some bad apples in, in, in all sex, even in our groin and our, in our uh, cannabis uh, uh, movement. Uh, that doesn't make all the other officers bad. Uh, Anyway, take a breath here because it really does tell to take a breath and breathe. It reminds me. Um, so, uh, and the Yuba County Sheriff's Department. Now, here we have we have with uh, also Heidi Grossman and the, and the, uh, their case over there. We got uh, the Three Mikes. Remember the Three Mikes case? Well, we got Duke County working with with. Uh, Yuba County Sheriff's Department, uh, they garden legal medications for California Prop 215 patients and were three days from harvesting before they, the raid occurred. What's that say? They wait till you get it all done like they did when they bust me. 
And they took all your Uranus and we're proving that they're selling it. Oh, let you process through mail. Let's talk about here. Uh, Matthew Sears facing criminal charges in light of the net five task force investigations and an ongoing lawsuit ran by celebrity attorney Mark Victor and expert witness Mary Cooper because the raid robbed them of their years in coma affording attorney's fees is unsurmountable fee. Uh, please help raise money where you can uh, for retainer fees. If you're under to, able to donate, always please share. Uh, i go on here. Let's see, I have another post here. It goes on. Uh, anyway, uh, they, they, they're going on to... Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, let me just jump ahead here. I, I've got three cases I'm looking at here, and I have my I have my white pads, and I write, and I have my calendar here. I just couldn't do it. Not to keep it all. Uh, well, actually, here it is. Okay, that's here. This is this is interesting. Code enforcement. Okay, they're getting out of line. A lot of them aren't savvy. Uh, also, the Moran case. One of the one was on, only to on the job two weeks. Uh, uh, the owner had a warrant out for a perjury charge, the owner, right? Uh, giving probable cause on a warrant, so there's no complaint. Now, if there's not a complaint, understand, Joe, right? There, there's, there, there can't be a charge. Uh, they had 99 plans. They had 16 recommendations. There's no guns, no HBOs, no cash, no pot. Uh, uh, just uh, Sean Moore, officer at, at the property, taking down plants while Matt handcuffed for four hours. Uh, this uh, Sean Moore, when I talked to him, uh, is out of line. Anyway, uh, they go back uh, for pretrial conference. They will not back down a plea bargain uh, at 8.30 a.m. Uh, next Wednesday, actually, yes, next Wednesday, actually, that's good. I got this show because I can come in Wednesday night. I hope to keep these shows going, Joe, because people ask, where's the show? Where's the show? Uh, uh, that's November well, 9th. Keep, uh, a good guest here on the show. I will keep doing the show every single week. I just need to have a little somebody besides my voice as part of it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it's like full of teeth. I said, listen, I'm going to be I talking know. about your case today, Alex. I'm going to talk your case about um, uh, uh, Eric Pierce and John Hayes' case. That's coming up next. That, 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 that uh, mirrors this case, and actually they're the same time. Uh, so I'm going to jump right ahead here. Uh, I'll try to uh, cover as much ground as I can. Uh, we talked about Eric Pierce. All uh, right, now, Alex Lyons, of course, we talked about Alex. He's the one of the three, and, and Moran of the four here on the trial. And Alex Lyons, remember that he waived his rights away of time, and he still demanded his right for his trial. Uh, again, when we talk about DAs, here's a DA, Jennings, that's working with us. Uh, furthermore, uh, this is interesting, Joe, in 1996, he had 12 cases after the Control Suffolk Act, the legal know, was passed. He lost every one of them. So he's talking to the board. What are we doing? And they're still doing it. So here's a, here's a DA. Uh, and I heard Ramsey might not run this year, so I'm already promoting him. This is the kind of DA 
that we need in these counties that we want a fair shot and look at both sides, and a lot of times they don't. You know that, Joe. Uh, and I think about your case. You come down there for trial. We were coming, and uh, you went in that day. And of course, it's not that simple, but uh, you just kept hey. on keeping on, and you refused that uh, BS felony wobbler uh, misdemeanor to screws you. And we know now, if we get a, a dismissal on the end, it's something to consider. Uh, uh, anyway, they uh, they were busted uh, at noon on October 27th last year, 2015, uh, charged with cultivation possession with intent to sell uh, Alex Lyons, Matt Pierce, uh, just young kids, uh, my granddaughter's age, uh, 28 years old, uh, uh, in, in uh, Butte Jail uh, for trimming. Come on. I asked Toller trimming. Yeah, that's part of it. Folks, just kind of be careful out there. Uh, anyway, Pierce uh, wrote the owner of the, uh, of the collective, uh, ten member collective by the uh, C. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're they're covered up anyway. Uh, that I'm confusing it with uh, Alex's uh, collective, uh, which are part. Night, I sent him a message. Uh, uh, he, uh, see, see here. Let me take a breath. <laughs> yes. There, uh, he, uh, John, he's uh, right here. Uh, is is, is uh, being represented by Attorney Monkel, and we like him. I talked to him. Uh, he's taking them on. He will not back down. He's still shooting for dismissal, which we always do, the 995 dismissal motion. Uh, we always challenge the probable cause, caution to verse, which I, which in all these cases I recommend we make these motions. I think they're just almost automatic because usually they do not have probable cause to search and they're out of line. Uh, so John Hayes, I finally met him. At first, he was reluctant. Now he's come around. Uh, he's the owner, uh, and uh, they uh, the, the, the complainant is Steve Hoffman. He's fire chief here in Butte County. Come on, we're fighting Goliath again. He's also Justin Hoffman's dad up the street here. They complained on Alex and sent him to jail for 40 days. We understand now Alex is talking to these code enforcement. They're not taking these calls on Google search. They're not taking them. They do not have time. So that's some good news out there. Uh, anyway, they're charged with cultivation uh, possession with intent to sell the usual charge uh, and also misdemeanor mushrooms. Now, they're, they're <laughs> talk to all these guys. We've all got mushrooms here. Well, I beat my case on mushrooms because that's just another plant that goes wild here in the camp. Uh, so, uh, anyway, they, they go on to uh, also down here. I have this is important. Oh, the, the, the warrant on this case, you probably saw my post or a post that I first caught. Uh, it was the complainant Hoffman called the sheriff stating Pierce was growing trees on his property, to which Eric and Hayes proved they had it surveyed and proved that he, that they weren't. Also, 
uh, Hoffman being fined $60,000 onto the criminal case. But since resolve dropped as complaining is flat on its face, thanks to Trini Monkel, straighten this out. Oh, we talk about the pitches and uh, turpitude motions. Kind of new with Benno up there and Tully bringing officers' credibility to the courtroom, and they don't like it. And we subpoena them and the complainants, Hoffman. And uh, we keep throwing as much as we can at them. Uh, they're not used to working. Uh, we stand our ground, they go back uh, the same. For court support, uh, as uh, Matt Sears, uh, uh, Block was actually released from uh, the case, and they got married since. So now it's Vaughn Sears, which is interesting. Nice couple. Uh, 8:30 a.m. Uh, that's next Wednesday, uh, right here, number one court sheet uh, in D County. Uh, also, I have Trevor Alcorn. Uh, I don't know how long I have here, Joe. You can cut me short. I'm just kind uh, of. No, you're doing fine. Uh, Lisa's mom ended up having to go to the hospital, so um, you're you've got the rest of the show. We'll close it up after okay, you're done. Good. Okay, so uh, great, Joe. And it's nice not to be hurried. Sometimes I get hurried, and I and I and I got the <laughs> I missed the main point. Uh, well, you got all you need right now. You got the rest of the show. All right. Well, that's great, Joe. And, and I don't know how you do it. Uh, you're and you're so clear when you talk. I can hear you from across the room, and you've taught me so much, my friend. I want to thank you. Uh, <laughs> the gift of gab, they call it. <laughs> you know, it's a visit up here. It looks like we might go to trial, so we'll try to get you up here. All right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Trevor Alcourt, uh, we've talked about this case up there with Benel. And they come for each other, number one. Uh, has his little daughter. And so the Benno's got kids. And when they have kids, they're going to come harder. Uh, and I always talk about if you don't come, stand here and help me to the solution to have prohibition, come for your kids. Uh, Trevor uh, Alcorn had uh, his fourth uh, settlement hearing here just back a couple weeks ago. And I went up. Uh, it was, it was uh, two in the afternoon, and Ben was with that one. So it gave me a double reason to truck the 110 miles of the group. Uh, never disbanded. Uh, to go with the people that come. Uh, the rest of them uh, come when they can. And uh, so Shasta County's rebuilding. We're still getting support up there. Um, <clears throat> let me take another breath here. Uh, he, uh, I sat with him, uh, and I filled out a whole page. He, he even wrote his own uh, story out. Uh, it's basically the same of uh, the story that I uh, uh, cut to the chase. Uh, he was busted, dated, uh, and uh, a couple years ago, or three, I got it here. It doesn't matter. Uh, and he, he wasn't even there. He was down in L.A. and he, he's he's being a charge. Uh, he didn't even get charged because he had a delivery shirt for some chassis. They didn't care about that or the pot or anything else. They cared about that, that he's being busted for his, his mom's RSO. Uh, it's kind of crazy. And then she's turned against him. 
Uh, so it's a, it's kind of a tough case, but anyway, uh, he uh, they offered him a, the, the same BS uh, plea deal they offered you with the misdemeanor on Ian, the Walter misdemeanor. I told him, I said I even wrote it down when you go in. You have two weeks to think about it. I said when you go in there, you tell him if you put a dismissal on Ian here, I might consider it. And they didn't. So uh, he's going back. Uh, uh, he has, he's working with, uh, he's actually got uh, attorney Eric Berg now that's helping him. Uh, so he's, he's some better help than these PDs, uh, PPs, public pretenders. Uh, we, uh, when we talk about the Human Solution International.org, check out our website and go to Prisoner Outreach Program. Uh, we not only write letters uh, for uh, clemency and pardon letters, uh, letters to prisoners to let them know they're not forgotten. And also we write uh, letters, uh, character reference letters. Uh, I think I shared the one I wrote uh, for Alex Lyons uh, that were both part of his collective, Dr. Allen and I, and we're ready to take the stand in this case. Uh, these letters of ref- character reference will tell you uh, pack a bigger punch if you knew the defendant before the fact. And, of course, family and long-time old friends mean a lot. Uh, I'll read the letter here. Uh, it's short, and I think I like to keep it to a page in brevity, This, uh, even though Joe and I are a matter of brevity. to say, and I could have spent four pages on this case, but I cut it to brevity, and I, I addressed this letter to the Shasta County DA and Superior Court judges. Uh, this was actually recommended by Bergen Associate, and they sent a really nice format out for people to write these letters, and we got a lot of writing, Susan Bryan, Marcy Jones, all of them up there writing letters for Trevor. Um, uh, something that was uh, a character reference letter for Trevor Alcorn, and I give my, my, my name and Address in the human solution.org uh, in Oroville. Having known Trevor and his young daughter for approximately four years, we find Trevor to be, be, be a man of good character and integrity, an asset to society rather than a threat. A single father working and taking care of his sweet little daughter, and she's getting good grades at school. Please consider our plea to dismiss Trevor's case. A felony Walbert dismissal might be considered. For in the first place, we understand that he not only wasn't there the day of the raid, but in L.A., like I said again, being charged with medicine that belonged to his mother. A victim was crying cases like Trevor's. Not only seem a waste of time, money, but more would disrupt lives and family, like Trevor and his young daughter. We, in fact, be focusing on the hardened criminal cases. Thank you for taking your time and your consideration in this very important matter. Friend Trevor, his little daughter, respectfully, Tom and Donna Corbin. These letters go a long way, folks. Uh, I almost get cheers thinking about uh, how these cases uh, it's uh, incomprehensible sometimes. And remember, again, they're all making money on it. Uh, you can go to the archives at humansolutioninternational.org and get all the past shows. I believe you, like Joe said, these shows are historical. 
and I hope we can keep the Sunday and the Wednesday show going. Uh, I just think they're so important. Uh, I had Liz- Elizabeth Joy, uh, Nick Moran's mom. Uh, we almost lost. We have a fundraiser for the Sunday show. We almost lost it. She said that uh, we're all throwing money in. That how, how much um, this joy uh, that came all the way down from Michigan for her son, Nick Moran, busted again here by Venice, and uh, how much these radio shows helped her get through. Uh, okay, I want to thank everybody again today and uh, help copy the solution in Prohibition and stop this uh uh, we know that uh, this is an illegal drug war in the first place, uh, the Controlled Substance Act. Uh, with And uh, off first, I finally got what that meant in the song, DuPont, uh, Nixon, Mitchell, and all the rest of them. They're making money on us. Okay, thanks, Joe. If there's any questions or anything else, I got some hearing aids from the VA now, by the way, and I'm hearing really good. It's pretty best <laughs> nice on uh, I've actually been treated good by the DF and Chico. And, uh, okay, I think that's all for me now. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Well, listen, Joe. everybody, uh, Lisa, our uh, vice president, uh, had to run to the hospital for her mom, so she's not able to join us, but she will be here next week. And we're going to talk about, uh, you know, Lisa Sublet talked about uh, the patients, the children, um you know, it's 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 so many people just don't get it. They just don't get the fact that this plant is actual medicine and actually saves lives. And you know, I've witnessed probably literally hundreds of people whose lives have been, um, if not entirely saved, um, made layers and layers better because of this plant and there's very few medicines that you can say that about i don't know of any others frankly most medicines you take because they leave a symptom or they cause something to happen but you endure their side effects there are very few if any medicines that i can think of that have side effects that include a general feeling of (laughs) well-being better sleep a uh, better appetite. Um, you know, some of us have no problem with our appetite, but you talk to a lot of people that are chronically and terminally sick. Um, appetite's not something that is to be taken for granted. Um, the ability to sleep is not something that's to be taken for granted. Uh, the ability to endure pain uh, without having your kidneys compromised and without having so many of these negative side effects, um, it's not to be taken for granted. And with the developments that are happening with seizures um, and and the administration of of different cannabinoids um, at different dosages that are causing children to have relief when the alternative is horrible. Um, I've, uh, in this journey, been able to meet so many people that have suffered so many different uh, debilitating ailments. And if you were to experience what happens when they're able to use cannabis and then what happens when they don't, and you were to be able to look at that with a cold and calloused opinion, I would caution you to check yourself for a soul 
because it would be very difficult for anybody who has a heart or soul or both to not be compassionate and not see that, well, of course we should allow this. Of course this is right. Of course this is the thing that we should be supporting. And yet we don't. And yet most people don't even realize. They just don't get it. And so the people like Lisa Sublett and and so many others that are that are championing the cause of these voiceless victims, these young children who don't even understand what's happening to them as they're suffering and seizing and unable to stand and unable to communicate, and they just don't even know what's happening. And then all of a sudden they get a little taste of a candy or a medicine or some little thing that's got some cannabis in it, and they feel better. To somehow think that that... They don't get to have that because of some ridiculous law is is unconscionable. We have a case in Kansas that's just come up, and it's a, a young child. I was hoping Mandy Thomas was going to join us with the Kansas report, but um, she's busy working on a lot of things right now. But we have this uh, new defendant, and he's got a brain disease that, um, and strangely enough, I have a, a roommate who also suffers the same brain disease, and He's requiring, uh, he's going to be having a brain surgery in a couple of weeks. And he had a small amount of cannabis, and it's a, another ridiculous case. And the prosecutor is dead on moving forward, and he's going to end up having to have a hearing two days before his surgery. And um, it's, it's, it's unconscionable to think that these prosecutors um, move forward the way they do, essentially calling us liars essentially saying that we're just drug addicts, we're just drug dealers, and that none of this is real, none of this is, is the truth. And you've got to think about it. How is somebody able to keep a truth hidden? You know, a truth is a truth. There was a point at which we didn't realize that the earth actually rotated around the sun, but once we did, it becomes the truth. Um Oh, it looks like Mandy Thomas is here, <laughs> just at the last second. Um, all right, well, we're going to bring Mandy to tell us a little bit about what's going on. Um, and uh, okay, that's relieving. <laughs> Mandy Thomas, come on in. Welcome to the show. I, I almost had to do your uh, your bit for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm Welcome. sorry about that, Joe. <laughs> sorry about that. No, we're doing having a fine now. job. I, I'm, you're a better Mandy than I am, though, so let's let you be Mandy. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. We, uh, I had a storm uh, rolling through here in Kansas. Internet signal got spotty, and phone service got spotty. And well, I'm not gonna lie, I get forgetful. <laughs> um, I got I, I got busy actually uh, working on stuff for this case and a few other things that um, I've got going on here in the Midwest chapter. Um, but yeah, that that case uh, that case that you're just talking about, it's it really Joe. I'm floored by it um, because this this is I mean this is a good kid. He has no criminal background, uh, no criminal history. Um, you know, he's facing a very devastating diagnosis, and his family already has enough to worry about in regards to that. Much less having to uh, deal with the repercussions of going through this very draconian legal system that we're living in out here in Kansas. Um, and, you know, 
we there's there's just so much that I could cover on this case. We'd be here all night, but just just going into that courtroom and seeing that prosecutor just no compassion was shown from their end on that that I could see. Um, you know, this prosecutor really worked to get him in before that surgery. And I don't know about you, but two days before I'm going in for even a basic colonoscopy, like many of us Crohn's patients have to go through very regularly, two days before that, I'm not thinking of anything else but that surgery. So I can't imagine the magnitude or the weight that they're putting on this family by making them go in the morning of November 14th, not even two days before his surgery to have, you know, some very invasive procedures done, and there's a lot of complications that could go um, that could go awry. And you know, the fact that this this prosecutor couldn't show compassion enough to agree to give them um, some sort of a continuance for convalescence or um, discuss everything further with the attorney before they even scheduled a court date. I mean, this is it, it, it's our tax dollars at work, Joe. Um, and it, it's really disappointing to see that because the the reality of it is here is that not only is one young man's life getting ready to be derailed by a major uh, medical condition that is a lifelong um, battle, um, to my understanding, after communicating with some people that um, do have the similar diagnosis, um, you know, now he's got to be railroaded by the legal system for for a choice that he made um, whenever he has a condition that's shown that he's not even – he the capacity for that type of decision-making um, isn't completely there even. So, you know, to, to try to prosecute somebody for 12 years on a plea deal, if I, if I don't have my notes in front of me here, I'm hiding in my car so I can get some quiet time from the kids um, – <laughs> But, um, you know, the plea deal, that's just ridiculous. And the fact that, you know, they're not even considering the evidence properly because they're wanting to factor in uh, the weight of the packaging that, you know, was, was the product was in whenever it was shipped through the Postal Service, um, you know, is ridiculous because it's, uh, you know, it, it's doubling the the weight of what his his charges are based off of, and it, it's not, it, it's making him him into a criminal that he's not inevitably because uh, they're not looking at him as human; they are looking at him as another statistic for them to report. Um, so hopefully, one day they can move up that uh, that uh, professional ladder. Um, and unfortunately. That's that's where a lot of people have been thrown under the bus. Um, a lot of patients have died in prison. A lot of people have spent life sentences in prison because the system doesn't see them as people. The system doesn't see them as patients. The system sees them as another number, another statistic, another potential for a bonus or another potential for a grant or, a, a, you know, j just just another number. And at the last time I checked, uh, we kind of frowned on that whenever they outlawed the concentration camps or, or so I thought. But unfortunately, it seems like those camps have just moved into our legal system and the numbers are no longer tattooed on our arms. They're put on a case file and they follow us through the rest of our lives and they inflict so much damage upon people to where we're just, we're burning 
the potential of the youth of our nation down at an alarming rate. And I think that um, hopefully with the momentum um, that these elections have kicked up, everybody's starting to take notice to a lot of the the problems going on um, socially. Um, While some may not have the the correct idea about how to approach it, uh, it's still people are listening, people are waking waking up. And I think you know, in cases like this, this one, you know, this is this is an area where we do need to push jury nullification. This is an area where jury nullification could prove to be another success story. And, and ultimately, it's a, it's a case that once again has the capabilities to set precedent, so that the next time another family is faced with these circumstances, they know that they're not the only ones that have gone through this and won. Well, it's so true, and I and you know as 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 Lisa was talking about, as Mike's talking about, as uh, everybody who's been through this and seen it, um, is, we're, this is all building on something bigger. And my case, you know, a couple of years ago, six years ago, all the way to a couple of years ago, uh, led the way for other people uh, to fight and. Uh, there were cases that weren't filed because of my case, and it, and, uh, it empowered certain attorneys to be able to uh, take on a different strategy. And people learned that they could step up and show support and and, and make a difference by doing it. Um, each one of these cases brings that to it. It's not just the facts of the case. It's what we bring to bear and what we take away from it and what we add to it and show the next the next team what they can do. And, you know, the thing is, is we're, we're, we're now at a point in history where, I mean, we've been through so many cases in so many different states and so many different areas, and there, we've, we've come up with a, a strategy that's actually pretty effective. And if we could just implement it, if we could now figure out how to get everybody mobilized um, in, in a way that uh, – uh, it appeared that we were already doing. <laughs> you know, people come to me all the time yeah. and they like, hey, can you bring support? I'm like, I, I don't know. Do you have any? <laughs> you know, it's like people yeah. just think there's this magic support that you wag your finger and they just magically show up. And, you know, when we talk about grassroots efforts, that's exactly what it is. And the Most of the support comes within 50 miles of the case. And so this is something that has to be built. It has to be uh, you know, that's why these little community chapters, community outreach is so important. And, and if we can have people at the ready that realize that there may come a day where we, you find out that there's a trial in your area, be willing and ready to go. And we may need to ask you to hand out some flyers or, or, or send a message or, or, you know, donate a couple of bucks or whatever it is, but be ready and willing and able to mobilize. And once we get that, and we get that to where it's it's, it's sharpened. I mean, we I've seen it happen really well, and I've seen it flop. And I think yeah. I think that's what we're doing is building that. Yeah, and, and you know, Joe, and that 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 you hit the nail on the head with that because, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we're going to have to approach this in Kansas. In, in, in Kansas, is is one of the more difficult states to try to approach this, to my understanding, because of the way. As I mentioned in the last time I called in and talked with you, um, the way that they handle the ballot initiative, we can't go collect signatures and and just get a, get a law put on the ballot. We have to hit our local our, our governments at the hearts. 
Uh, we've got people like Lisa Sublet just working day and night uh, to make progress in Topeka where it really counts. Um, I, you know, I, I wish I had a fraction of, of the ability that this woman has because, you know, she's she steered her organization um, in a way that I don't think Kansas has seen before. And people like us need to be there to support causes like hers um, and like Leaving Kansas is in a lot of the other causes in the initiatives that are here um, because we're going to have to attack this beast from all angles. Uh, Lisa's working in Topeka, so where we need to be working is with the people. We need to be educating the people about jury nullification because if they see that more and more of these cases are coming up and they can't get a jury to to prosecute, then they're going to know that we're not playing around anymore. We The jig is up. It, it, it's time to really start evaluating these things. If they, if they see that they um, – have educated jurors that are showing up um, for jury duty, then they'll know to take these cases more seriously. If they see that these clients and these defendants aren't willing to take that plea bargain and they're, they want to take it to trial, uh, they're going to see that we're not, we're not joking around anymore. Um, we're not the pot people that are here to wave signs in your face full of, cannabis leaves and you know just make some noise we're here to make some change happen and with the the current political situation um, you know I think it can really benefit Kansas um, even though we don't have anything on the ballot yet hope is not lost here because we still have the capabilities to make a lot of change happen just because of the changes happening in our government in Kansas this election year um, Lisa could touch more on that side of it. Um, she, she's the political savvy one. I, I'm the last person to, to try to get talking about politics. Um, um, but, w you know, we need to all work together on a united effort, even if our methods aren't the same, even if our approaches are different. Um, the best way that we are going to attack this uh, issue is from multiple angles. Uh, we get them surrounded. They have no choice but to surrender, and we have a, a better, a more effective way to go about this that won't exhaust as much, many of our resources and our volunteers um, in the process. Uh, you know, this isn't a, there's no textbook way on, on how to change the laws for cannabis. Um, unfortunately, nobody has written that. If somebody would like to collaborate and we can get a council going on this, that would be great. Um, that way we can get a training manual going on <laughs> how to attack this beast. But, you know, this is something that's it's still in its infancy. Um, unfortunately, after thousands of thousands of years on Earth being used by humans safely, uh, we're, we're in 2016 having to fight for the right to not be imprisoned for something that our ancient ancestors have done for quite some time. And um, it's going to take every single person uh, this is an all-hands-on-deck, basically, situation to where differences need to be put aside and we need to find more common ground so we can start filling these cracks and get a solid movement together that's willing and able to make real change happen in, a, in the immediate future because if we don't 
we're just we're just going to see more loss of life inevitably because that's what it's going to lead to. Um, and I, I don't know about you, Joe, but I don't I don't think that somebody deserves to rot in a jail cell over a choice that they made involving a plant. Not and that's ever. My two cents. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good two cents, and uh, we've run our course today. Uh, next work week, we're going to attempt to do what we attempted to do this week and have Lisa Wooldridge come and join us and talk talk about the opiate problem and the cannabis counterpoint to that. And also she's going to talk about the vice presidency of the Human Solution and what that's all about. So thank you, everybody, wait, for being here with wait. us. Absolutely. And uh, Willie Nelson's got a little something he wants to say, and I'll see you all next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. You were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.